Is the Bible intimidating for you to read? Do you need someone to help guide you through God's Word? Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but let's face it, it can also be a challenge to read because it contains more than 600,000 words, two testaments, and 66 different books. But how does it all fit together? How do we clearly understand God's continuous story from Genesis to Revelation? That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Volume one based on the 39 books of the Old Testament is now available, and I'd like to send you a copy. Here's Brian with details. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, Pastor Ron, I'm sure many of our listeners are looking forward to reading this important book, and I know I am. Talk about some of the challenges you faced as you put this project together, and tell us why this two-volume book can be such a great resource for those listening right now. Brian, I knew the ultimate road trip through the Bible would be a pretty big challenge to write as a two-volume set, as challenging to write as the Bible is intimidating for some people to read. But it was truly a labor of love, as is reading God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. I'm hopeful that these resources will show the readers just how beautifully the whole of the Bible fits together into an inspired and unified love letter from God to every member of his creation. Thanks, Pastor Ron. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to order Volume 1 of this great resource for your gift of $30 or more. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. And if you'd like to mail your check, our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Prayer is a mystery to a lot of people, but the Bible gives us some guidance on how to pray for ourselves and for others, including people we've never even met. Dr. Ron Jones shares some of those insights next on today's edition of Something Good. Stay with us as he continues his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than, or drop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now, let's join Ron for today's Something Good Radio message, How to Pray for Others. Well, prayer is a mystery to a lot of people. It's a mystery, even to Christian people. I think that's why probably one of the best-selling categories of Christian books, especially of a how-to genre, are books on prayer. Uh, because uh, most people are looking for the holy grail of prayer. How do I pray? What words do I use? How do I know that my prayers are being heard by God? And, and will God even answer my prayers? These are some of the common questions that I receive as a pastor. Case in point was um, one of our Something Good Radio listeners who recently 
reached out to me. Apparently, I was talking about prayer in some sermon that we were broadcasting, and he challenged me. He says, you know, you didn't go far enough. I need to know exactly what to pray, the exact words to pray. And we had a good conversation on, on email, and we, I pointed him to the Lord's Prayer. You know, that prayer recorded in Matthew chapter 6, uh, it's uh, the disciples' prayer, the model prayer, the Our Father who art in heaven prayer. Uh, I also pointed him to the prayers of the Apostle Paul. When you read through the New Testament, and when you read through letters like uh, uh, Galatians and Philippians and Ephesians, and yes, even Colossians as we're going through now, you find the Apostle Paul praying for those to whom he was writing. And his, his intercessory prayer example. Uh, a big word for saying how he prayed for other people rises to the surface, and, and we learn a lot from it. I've titled this morning's message, How to Pray for Others, and we've come to verse 9, and we'll go through verse 14 this morning of Colossians chapter 1. You follow along as I read. Paul writes, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, that's a mouthful. Whether you read it in the original Greek language or in the English language, that's a lot. And Paul packs a lot of theology and a lot of thoughts even into sharing with the Colossians how he prayed for them. Paul did not know the people of Colossae personally. He, he didn't plant this church. He never visited. We said last week that he's writing from prison, uh, probably prompted by a student of his who sat in his theological school in Ephesus when Paul was there for three years. Epaphras is his name. We run into him a couple of times here in the letter to the Colossians. Epaphras was probably the guy who went to Colossae and to nearby cities like Laodicea and Hierapolis and planted some churches there. And he came to the Apostle Paul and said, hey, we have some troubles going on in Colossae. Some false teachers have crept into the church. Paul had never met them. He had never met them personally, but that did not stop him from praying for them specifically. And we have the specifics of his heartfelt prayer, his, his uh, heart that was full of concern for them we, we have the text of it here. He tells them how he prayed for them. Have you asked somebody this week to pray for you? Did they tell you how they prayed for you? Or did somebody come to you this week and say, will you pray for me? And maybe you were at a loss for words. You didn't know how to pray for them. Maybe you just said, Lord, eh, be with them. You know, that kind of pray. Lord, be with all the missionaries. He's already promised His presence. We don't have to pray that He's with them, right? Uh, Lord, help them. With these vague prayers that we offer, Paul prays very specifically for the Colossians, and may we learn from it. Let me suggest a few ways that he prayed. Uh, he says in verse 1 there that he prayed ceaselessly for them day and night. 
Now, this wasn't just a one-off kind of prayer, you know, check the box, I prayed for you, and he moves on to something else. No, he, he says, from the day we heard, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you. One of the keys to answered prayer is persistence, ceaselessness. Paul says in another one of his letters, uh, pray without ceasing. Always be in an attitude of prayer and in conversation with God. And the highest form of prayer, of course, is intercessory prayer, when we pray for other people. He, he always had them near to his heart, near to his mind, and near to his conversation with God. He prayed ceaselessly for them and for four things. First, for their knowledge of the will of God. By the way, the prayer that we're going to look at here, it doesn't sound like most prayer meetings I go to in a church. I don't mean that in a critical way, but a lot of times I go to a prayer meeting in a church and I hear a lot of praying for body aches and pains. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, medical needs are very legitimate requests in prayer. I, I, I'm just pointing out that the content of Paul's prayer on behalf of others is much different than what I, I hear in most prayer meetings. He first prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Look at it again in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Do you know the will of God? How do we know the will of God? You've heard me say before, to know the will of God, get into the Word of God. If you think you are heading toward the will of God and what you're doing is the will of God, but it contradicts the Word of God, then it's not the will of God. The Word of God and the will of God will always be in harmony with one another. And the best way to know the will of God, to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God, is to read the Word of God and to fill your heart and your mind with it. Last week when we started our study, though, of the book of Colossians, I mentioned something called the Colossian heresy. One of the reasons Paul was writing this letter was because he learned that false teachers had crept into the, the church in Colossae. We don't know exactly what the Colossian heresy was. We reverse engineer the epistle a bit to kind of figure that out. But I think there's a hint right here in the first thing he prayed for. He prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge, the epinosis of the will of God. Some people believe that something called Gnosticism began to creep into the early church as early as uh, mid-first century, even though scholars will tell us that the false teaching of the Gnostics was a second century kind of thing. Gnosticism or the Gnostics get their name from a Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And the Gnostics prided themselves, literally prided themselves on their deeper knowledge of the will of God, their deeper and higher knowledge, knowledge to which the Gnostics says only the spiritual elite could attain to. And it was a convenient way of kind of keeping them, you know, their, their, their followers and their listeners under their spiritual authority, you know, to keep dangling out there. No, there, there's a higher authority. There's a higher knowledge, a deeper knowledge. In our day and age, the cults are masterful at this. They're very secretive in their teachings, and they always speak of a deeper knowledge or a higher knowledge to attain to, and they draw people in and, and, and keep them under their spiritual authority that way. I think what Paul is doing 
Even in his use of the word epinosis, which was an amped up version of the word gnosis, he, he was kind of saying, listen, uh, Colossians, the knowledge of the will of God is, is something that everyday believers like you and me can attain to. God is not trying to hide His knowledge. He's not playing hide-and-seek with us. He has made His knowledge uh, very available and in plain sight. You want to know the will of God? You want to have the knowledge of the will of God? Then just get into the Word of God. In fact, I'm going to pray for you every day ceaselessly that your knowledge of the will of God would be increasing every day. And he kind of takes a little shot at the Gnostics that way and, and kind of knocks them down to size. He said, I prayed for your knowledge of the will of God uh, to be increasing every day. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out Something Good Travel, Travel Beyond Belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org slash travel. Well, false teaching had crept into the church at Colossae, and the Apostle Paul began to pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of God. But he didn't stop there. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, How to Pray for Others. Kind of reminds us of what Jesus taught the disciples. He said, uh, pray uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. All of our praying, anytime we pray, we should always be bending our will to God's will, not the other way around. You say, well, I, you know, I, know, I don't understand this prayer thing. I, I pray for this, but you know, I just never get any response, God. Well, maybe you're trying to bend God's will to your will. That doesn't work that way. It's, it's our job to align our hearts and our requests to the will of God. And every time we pray according to the will of God, which we learn from the Word of God, guess what? It gets the response of God. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane didn't try to bend the Father's will to His. He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. The holy grail of prayer, the secret to prayer, is to align our requests to the will of God. And so Paul says, I, I, I am praying and I am praying ceaselessly uh, that you're, you will have a knowledge of the will of God. But he didn't stop there. He went on. And he says, I'm praying every day. I'm praying ceaselessly that uh, you will not only have a knowledge of the will of God, but, your, but that your application of the will of God will be in, in your everyday life. Read on there. He says, uh, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, and then he adds, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the skillful application of truth to everyday life, okay? 
And he says, I, I not only want you to have knowledge, but don't just have knowledge. Why? Because knowledge puffs up. That's what happened. That's the problem with the, the Gnostics. They had knowledge. They thought they had a deeper knowledge, a more elite knowledge. It made them prideful. They, they were puffed up because of that. And besides, their knowledge never went into spiritual wisdom and understanding, which was the application of knowledge to everyday life. My friend, Dr. Steve Farrar, years ago, wrote a book called Point Man. And it was at the height of the men's movement here in America and the Promise Keepers movement and all that. And it was a book targeted toward men, but the application is for men and women. And in his book there, he talked about two unhealthy spiritual conditions. One he called spiritual anorexia. He said a spiritual anorexic is somebody who has an aversion to uh, ingesting spiritual food into his life by the reading of God's Word. doesn't take in the bread of life every day by reading the Word of God. A spiritual anorexic may have simply an aversion to reading itself. Oh, I'm not much of a reader. And yet God gave us a book, didn't He? He communicates through this book and He expects us to read it. This is our spiritual food, but a spiritual anorexic isn't isn't eating spiritual food on a regular enough basis. And then he went a little bit further and he talked about a spiritual bulimic. This is somebody who has maybe not an aversion to ingesting food, but an aversion to digesting the spiritual food. He doesn't apply it to everyday life, okay? And we need to be careful here because Paul's not just talking about ingesting knowledge and the knowledge of the will of God and, you know, eating ourselves, you know, fat and bloated up with spiritual knowledge, but never digesting it in a way that we're applying it with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, living it out in our everyday life. Let me illustrate it another way. Suppose you were an elite athlete and your dream was to play in the NFL you had a specialized position, and you worked hard at that, and you finally got drafted into the NFL, and there you're living your dream, and you show up for a training camp, but you spend all of your time in the locker room watching game films and watching films of other players in the NFL who play your specialized position. You've learned everything you need to learn about playing that position at an elite level in the NFL. I mean, you are a master at it, but you never leave the locker room and go out to the practice field, let alone play in a game. Oh, you have knowledge of how to play that position, but you never put it into practice. And a lot of Christians I know are like that. They're like that athlete full of the knowledge of the will of God because, oh, you've heard enough sermons, you've been to enough Bible studies, you've memorized Scripture, you've hidden it in the heart, uh, you've got it on Post-it notes, you, you've got it on bumper stickers, you, you've got it on your cell phone, everywhere you go, the knowledge of the will of God. But an honest assessment of your life is you're not putting it into practice. You're not living it out with spiritual wisdom and application and understanding in everyday life. Paul prayed for that. He says, when I pray for you, I get your body aches and pains. I understand you got a little, you know, uh, ingrown toe, nail on your toe, and you need, you need God to, you know, help you with that. No, when I pray for you, I pray that you'll have the knowledge of the will of God in such a way that you live it out in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and application in your life. What a prayer. But he doesn't stop there. 
He goes on a little, a little bit further. And he says, I prayed ceaselessly for their life to please God and to bear spiritual fruit. Let's read on. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. And then he comes full circle and says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. He says, I, I pray that your life would please God. He says it this way. He says that, it, that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know, the Christian life is a walk, isn't it? I remember growing up in a church, and um, my youth leaders and other people might, might come up in a conversation and say, how's your walk? <laughs> because to be a Christian is, is to walk with Jesus and to walk like Jesus. And you go through the New Testament, and you find several references to how we walk. A little bit later in Colossians, Paul's going to say, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, all right? But here, he, he talks about how, I pray that, that your walk, that you would walk in a manner, that you would live out this thing called the Christian life in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. What does it mean to be worthy of the Lord? He defines it, fully pleasing to Him. Now, you and I have a choice to make. We can either live our lives pleasing ourselves or we can please the Lord. And if you're going to please anybody, if you're going to walk in a way and live your life in a way that intentionally pleases anybody, make sure it pleases the Lord. What about you? Do you merely have knowledge of the Word of God or have you begun to put that knowledge into practice? Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, How to Pray for Others. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Dr. Ron Jones' messages on demand or to contact us for prayer. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Remember, when you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. 
Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. Happiness has to do with what's happening. It's circumstantially based. But joy transcends the circumstances. You can be facing difficult days, prickly people, and still be full of joy. In fact, don't let your difficult days and your prickly people steal your joy. They're the biggest joy stealers in the world, but don't let them steal your joy. Why? Because you have knowledge of the will of God and you are putting that knowledge into practice through spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, How to Pray for Others. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the whole team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.